0: Before history is written,
1: it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday.
0: I'm going to try and navigate a pod with all of you people, so... Oh, man. And I do mean... <laughs> you people.
1: You yeah, people. Mean you people. <laughs> We're
2: going there. <laughs> oh, We're off the rails down. and we haven't even started yet. <laughs> oh, let's go.
3: Antonio Conte, who is now in at Tottenham, back in English football today.
1: Souls
0: yeah, is gone. yeah I, I Busy drinks is gone. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I'm your host Andrew. You can follow me at a Stetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. Got a nearly full house for this one on a superb Owl Sunday. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about a less than superb match that that tottenham Hotspur just completed against wolves and we're going to do it with four of my favorites we'll start by throwing it out to southern california the todd father himself at tc underscore show on twitter todd how's it going my friend guys any day that uh you get the opportunity to um Chop
3: it up with uh, five to six of your good friends over uh, anything but the miserable fucking match that we just watched. It's a good day. It's a good day because oof, that was that was tough. I literally chose to do dishes instead of watching the second half of that match. It was it was a tough go.
0: Wrinkled hands over watching Spurs do whatever the hell it was they did uh that sounds about right for this one uh we've also got scott up in the pacific northwest he is at dsm spurs he and i are going to fight here in a few minutes and it's going to be fun and it's going to be engaging so stick around for that scott what's going on my friend
1: i wasn't even aware we played this morning <laughs> so uh, <it's laughs> nice to be here and get caught up <laughs>
0: You know r- rarely enough, you were aware you you woke up in time. we did not have to remind you that there was a game today uh you were on top of it, so I will credit you for that
1: uh I will say you you the u s played Germany this morning at the exact same time that Tottenham kicked off in the Olympics, so you know yes, in ice I, hockey yeah thank you yes <laughs> i uh i had I had something else to keep my eye on and uh kick the shit out of Germany this morning, so I was smiling through that dross performance unlike others, but uh yeah, here we are.
0: Fair enough. We head out to Tennessee at Dakota J. Booth. Dakota's with us as well. Dakota, save us.
4: Um, Super nice 2-0 win uh, from Spurs this morning to catapult themselves into the Champions League spots. Uh, and everything's looking roses. Oh,
3: wait. Today, the part move- of... you guys would be played by joe hart yeah
0: yeah yeah we're we're, yeah we're talking about the men's team right now dakota we'll get to the women's team later but that's uh that that was a good bit there that was a good bit uh caroline's (laughs) gonna update us on on the women's team uh spoiler alert from from dakota there but uh caroline is at cg stefco and she is with us as well caroline how are you this morning
2: uh, like Dakota, I am focusing on the positives of the women's performance, mostly, <laughs> because I would rather forget that the men's game even happened. Um, I unfortunately did wake up in time to watch it. So it was uh, an interesting two screen kind of morning.
0: Yeah, it was a two screen kind of morning for me as well. I I, I also had the the women's matchup and a, a two 0 victory over Birmingham, Birmingham, Birmingham City, uh, which we will talk about a little bit later. But let's start with the men uh tottenham hotspur nil wolverhampton wanderers two at the tottenham hotspur stadium in this one uh wolves get revenge for the one nil victory that spurs pulled over them earlier in the year they also beat them in that cup match uh so nice little bit of revenge for wolves but let's let's talk about spurs in the lineup first um we'll get into what we need to get into soon after this but um three changes from the midweek defeat to Southampton. Uh, Matt Darty comes in for Emerson Royale. Uh, we get uh, Rodrigo Bentoncourt for Pierre-Emil Hoibier. More on that in a second. And then Sergio Reggian also swapped out for Ryan Sessegnon uh, at the left wing back spot. The rest of the lineup the same. Um, this is uh, the first available benching for Pierre-Emil Hoibier. Um, and that that means he's only missed one other league match as a Spurs player. And that was because he had COVID um Todd are you okay
3: I mean the result spoke for itself so we are, we are.
0: <laughs> there it is that we we figured out the reason Spurs got their ass kicked because Javier wasn't on the pitch no this was there was
3: there was nobody in the midfield that, like we got bossed like the only reason why we had uh anything going forward is because Bentecourt could pass out of nowhere like it was sexy as hell to watch him break the lines, but that was really only the positive. Like I was looking, and this game was crying out for someone to take control of it, and no one did. Uh, if, if if PH was was on the pitch, um, I'm not saying that we would have won that match, but I am saying that uh, they would have felt us a little bit more
1: than they did. We were second best at every position today, dude. Thank you, because Bendiker just does what Winks does, but a lot better
2: so i don't know why
1: they're both playing at the same time and again i i will fight andrew in the near future for not believing in conte so i can't even say say something like that right but like antonio conte if i could ask you one question it's like why are you playing wings and ventiker at the same time if you have an answer for me that makes sense i will bow down and kiss your feet but like i just don't understand it at this point it's it Ne- yeah i don't know like i said he does what Winks does but just a lot better and they're just he just kind of washes wings out and then there's a hole in the midfield
0: well it's probably because he doesn't have James Ward-Prowse like your like your boyfriend House and Hassenhuddle does there you go. i mean right Get i mean that's, that's 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 who you really want to praise in the, all of this it's not antonio conte it's it's you <laughs> yeah. know and this is where we're going to start our little fight here scott Let's is convinced go. that southampton unlocked the way that you beat tottenham hotspur and that is just to press them and i am convinced that um the reason you can press them so well is because they're getting outmanned in the midfield because they have two midfielders. Now we talked a little bit a little while ago about the fact that Spurs have four midfielders for two positions when they play this three five two. Uh or excuse me, when they played the three four three, but like they did today. Um, and that's been the go-to formation for Antonio Conte. You can pretty much, I think, sub in Winx, Bentoncore, Hoybier, and Skip when all four are healthy and put any two of them in any two of the four in those positions. We had that conversation. I believe it was about a week and a half ago on pod. I think we've already kind of seen that maybe that's not the case, even though we were all kind of thinking that it, that it might be Um, because as you said, winks was not good today. I thought even Benton wasn't as good as we've seen him be in his first two sub appearances um, was better than winks, which I think by comparison is, is what we're doing here. I think you guys are both praising Benton I thought, they were overrun, the two of them. And I think that's because of numbers. I think there's a simple numbers game to be played here. Um, and Scott's going to tell me I'm wrong.
3: Well, oh, i oh, go ahead, Todd. Yeah, I just want to jump in real quick because I think that there's two points that we're really going to miss as, as, as we go into this numbers conversation. And the first is, is that... Everybody who watches football, Premier League football specifically, has watched Davidson Sanchez play football since Jose Mourinho beat the brakes off of him in an Europa League final when he played for Ajax, says, give that man the ball and press the shit out of him. That's what Southampton did. That's what we saw today. It's specifically on Davidson Sanchez, and he was easily the poorest at the back for us, though Ben Davies did not have uh, one of the stellar performances that we've seen under Conte either. To be fair, that's because for the second half, he had to play as a fucking left back. But anyway the majority of the game, to be fair. The other thing that I want to say is without PEH in the middle and without Eric Dyer in the middle, you've got a natural person playing that point position who wants to get forward in Christian Romero, which means Davidson Sanchez slots in as the primary uh, um, ball-carrying center back, and that's a fucking problem, right? I think if if you have Eric Dyer and or PEH comes back in there, you've got a different conversation to th- t- to be had in that same formation. Now, Scott, please. Take it, Tell us how uh,
1: Andrew has has missed the boat entirely. Oh, I, you you did you did a portion of my job for me, so I appreciate you for that. I got you covered. But but I, I will say this. First of all, it, in Andrew's world, saying a manager did did his job right is is saying he's the best manager on the planet <laughs> and should get the Tottenham job. So, yes, Ralph Hasen Huddle came out and did a very good job against Tottenham. Now, I said very definitively and i will stand by this that he showed the entire league how to beat antonio contes tottenham now we had not been beaten i don't think maybe once in the league up to that point right Right,
4: by chelsea yeah
1: thank you by chelsea we've been beaten once so that tracks to what i'm saying right no one had been beating us outside of chelsea when we played this like weird 4-4-2 i think right with like six fullbacks on the field um all, all he, all he did. It's, it's so much deeper than me just saying. He said, if you press Tottenham, I even went over this in the group chat. It's not that he pressed Tottenham. It's that he very specifically found a way to funnel the ball to Davinson Sanchez, and then press Davinson Sanchez and make him do everything at the back. Right. That is exactly how he should the league how to beat Tottenham very specifically. And I said he came in and his literally his game plan. That was one of those games where I was at my desk. Like, no one was with me. I wasn't at the bar. I wasn't with my wife who yells and screams. Did you fucking see that? Like, I was by myself watching. I watched every second of that match and analyzed it. Like, the only tactics that day were press the shit out of Dobbins and Sanchez, win the ball, and play soccer. Like, it was very, very well approached from him. It's all I'm saying. Today, Wolves came in in the first half, did the same fucking thing, the same thing. We did figure it out at halftime. I'm not exactly sure how we figure that out, but then Wolves just literally used the fact that we had two ball progressing midfielders and one who's a lot better than the other to just let us have the ball and do nothing with it. Like w- once we had the ball in the second half, Bentiker and Winks were all he had to do to take control of the game without the ball, because neither of them were going to be able to break the lines because the up, uh, neither of them were going to be protecting the other person. Like if, what, one of them has to be the one that allows the other one to break the lines a little bit more and give the team a little bit more, I guess, what I would say shape, right? Um, because Bentiker and Winks were really pulling our team out of shape in the second half. Even though we had the ball, there was like this illusion that we were controlling the game, but we weren't because we were out of shape quite a bit, in my opinion, because of the way those two were playing. So I think back to the Hassan huddle thing, he did a very good job. He, sh- he showed if you press Robinson Sanchez. And, and really approach that as your only tactic in that match, you'll probably win the ball and you'll probably be able to put it in the back of the net a couple of times and then take control of the match. Tottenham does not do well when they're ahead. Um, I do see it to to my lesser point this morning in the chat, right? But primarily when, when we go down, we we struggle um, and we did again today, right? So you press Sanchez, you're going to beat Tottenham. Um, we're missing Dyer, we're missing a skip. I know you and I come to terms there and we can get into that, but... But ultimately, that, that's my point. And, and I just find it hard to argue that Hassan Huddle didn't show people how to pretty easily beat this team right now without an Eric Dyer.
0: So I'm not really interested in making this a, a Ralph Hoosier Mama podcast. Like the, the Southampton manager is not the topic of, of the Tottenham Depot. That's that's fine. <laughs> I'm I'm interested in Br- Bruno Lage, the the manager of Wolves. After this match today, kind of pointed out like when when they have two men in midfield, you can overrun them with three. He pointed out the numbers, and that's what they did, and that's what that's what Southampton did. And by the way, Southampton has a really good midfielder in James Wood Prowse who you know can can help do that wolves have some good midfielders um on their squad as well you know ruben neves ever heard of him he's pretty good um they have talented players who can when they have an extra man can help that press and can help pull a player like davison sanchez out of position and press the hell out of him those are those are I i think we're in agreement on those things and and the numbers are what is helping them in that you mentioned the second half. Part of the reason that Spurs were able to have the ball in the second half, and I agree with your point, it's not like Spurs dominated and, and controlled the ball, but part of the reason they had the ball in the second half is because they were, weren't playing in the 3-4-3. Th- the, the five the three, four, three. They switched formations. They were playing four at the back. They were playing. They had gone back to a 4-2-3-1 uh, with three midfielders, and they were able to control the midfield a little better with that extra midfielder when uh, when Kulusevski came on. So
3: and it made a marked difference. You're right.
0: It may, it did. It made a it, well. And you're also having having to factor in the fact that Wolves are up two nil at that point and sitting back and packing it in yeah. a little more.
3: And so they, you, besides United, give up the least amount of goals in the league. So I, I mean, that's correct. They're that's
0: they're a solid is. defensive team. Yes. Yeah. I, I think all of those things are factors. That's that's why it looked different in the second half. It's because Spurs changed their formation. Yeah, and they did something different.
1: But they that's why I said. We made the adjustment but Wolves were still very much able to control what happened in the match. So the 43-1s so, like it's not the answer.
0: No, I'm not saying it's the answer, but but you saw why it was better in the second half. Those are the reasons. And and here's where I say Antonio Conte has forgotten more football than I will ever know. I am an idiot. He is a genius in these in these factors, but what I have seen is and this this goes, I'll go directly into the skip Dyer point that you made. This team was missing Oliver skip today, who has been a revelation as a 21 year old midfielder. And it was missing Eric Dyer, who has been a damn good leader at the back and and a massive part of this three center back system since Antonio Conte has come in, he was a massive part of 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 the defense even before Conte came in. But since he's come in, he's been the the leader back there. When you're missing those two players and you try to plug and play with other guys in this squad, this does not work as well as it should. And in my opinion, that's where the manager should be trying something different to get by. Whether it's the 4-4-2 that we used against Chelsea, which, by the way, I don't think even in a 2-0 loss that Spurs got their ass beat by Chelsea. I thought they played okay in that match, but Chelsea are a much better team. Or whether you do something like play a 4-2-3-1 or if you want to be stubborn because you're Antonio Conte and you play three center backs all the time, play, try a 3-5-2, absorb pressure, absorb and counter play, play Jose ball, do something a little bit different when you don't have your full string squad, Dakota disagrees. And I want to let him get on this because I know that, you know, I know you guys disagree with me and I want to let Caroline chime in on this as well. But Dakota, why am I so wrong that when you're missing two of your better players, you should try something different. <laughs>
4: Uh, because when they come back, you can't just automatically switch back and expect to play the type of ball that you need to play. Uh, you need to, you need that consistency. You need to play how you're gonna play. and the players need to learn the system. They need to know how to play. So when players are missing, if someone gets hurt in the middle of a match and you need to sub someone in, they can do the job. I mean these guys are these guys are learning a new system on the fly pretty much, and that's kind of a difficult thing to do. I personally don't think we played super bad today outside of a 10 minute spell. Uh, and, you know, caveat that with Wolves were up 2 0 and could afford to sit back a little bit. But um, I think the, the biggest issue today was really, we had, I think, three huge issues that led to today being what it was. And they have nothing to do with. Plugging and playing and formation. It's we didn't clear our lines when we needed to. Ben Davis leading to the second goal example. Just kick it out of bounds. No need to kick it to the middle of the field. Um, our finishing was awful today, and I can go back to the Southampton match too. And we scored two goals. Our finishing was awful. Um, and then I think we we needed to get the ball wide more often than we did today. And I think some of that had to do with making the switch to a back four early on into the match. You know, you don't have as much width. You can't get players out wide as often because there's less players out wide. I think those three things were basically the root of our downfall today. And I think none of that has to do with players or personnel or systems. I think it's, uh, you know, we, t- we talk about this a lot. It's an, a comedy of individual errors. All over the pitch, <laughs> and which, not by one. Which makes it team errors, one, right? <laughs> right, yeah, not by one person, and it's not a system that is making these things happen. Um, it it it's honestly the same thing that we've been seeing for the last 18, 24 months. That's the same same type of mistakes that continually happen, and that is the task that Antonio Conte has, and I think we've seen glimpses of it from this team this season, even. The being able to handle diversity and persevere and to play calmly, we just didn't see it today. We didn't see it last week. So it's not going to get any easier with Manchester City coming up ne- at, at the weekend. Um, but that I think is the reason that you you stick with the system. Antonio Conte has had success with the back three. He was hired to, to play his type of football. And I don't think he's as stubborn as kind of your your thinking or making it out because he did make the switch in the middle of a game, right to try to to accommodate that. So that that I think is why you persevere because it's your style of ball. You won a league. a, you're a top five European league playing this type of football last year. Absolutely, you persevere with it.
0: But he did so with much better players and he did so in a different different league. Right, but uh, a but, but
4: that's the but that's the
0: style uh, of football that you play. You have to play it. I, I so I I get what you're saying, and I want to let Caroline jump in here because she hasn't had her say on this. But it's 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 a matter to me of the best coaches and managers in any sport will adjust to the personnel that you have, not to the system that you want to play. It's not as simple as plugging and playing. And again, I'm not I don't really disagree with anything you said there, Dakota. But if you don't have certain people available to you, you cannot continue to just ramrod the same square peg into round holes. You have to make adjustments. Caroline, am I, am I completely out of bounds on this? Because like I said, Antonio Conte is smarter than me, and I think he's smarter than everyone on this podcast.
2: I don't think you're out of bounds. I do think with the lineup, Conte did try to make a bit of an adjustment, not to the formation, but to the personnel. So he brought Doherty in today. I don't think it worked, but an attempt was made to rectify that issue. And then same thing on the left flank, you know, Reggian didn't have a great game last time. So I don't blame Conte for bringing Sessegnon in and trying <coughs> to try something new. And frankly, we were all clamoring for Benton Kerr to start. You know, he didn't have a great d- game today. Like he had a few great passes, but overall he kind of, it seemed like the whole team was just affected by this mood of like, I don't know, sloppiness and, it, when you look back at the Southampton game, these were two home games and in neither game did we take the game to the opponent as we should have been. And it comes down to skip, I think, is a huge part of that because he he is the one who's usually controlling the game from the midfield, making sure that we maintain pos- possession, you know, regain possession. He's always the one who's coming in um, to, to grab the ball. So I've, I felt like his presence was hugely missed, even more than Dyer um with the defense i think that we, we got kind of unlucky a couple of times you know with those goals and the fact that usually hugo would have saved both of those goals and he just he was having a bad game today too so and i i hate to criticize hugo like it breaks my heart but <laughs> he he should have done better on both of them
0: yeah hugo wasn't great that's that's for sure go ahead todd
3: I'm just I'm over here frothing at the mouth. Yeah, oh, you are the absolute fucking disrespect for PEH. I'm just losing my mind. The man has literally started every single match save one since he's been at this club that he was available for. Like I it's just like to say that it's everybody and I've been the one on this podcast saying that Oliver Smith, Oliver Skip is Tottenham's best midfielder up until Benton Kirk got here. I'm the one saying that. And I agree that missing his presence is a huge thing. But to say that PEH is not the metronome for this team by which it ticks. I mean, it clear, in my opinion, we were a wayward ship in the midfield today and PH didn't get off the bench. And I don't think that those two things are uh, mutually exclusive.
2: Can, can I just say, I think Pierre really brings a lot more defensive solidity to the midfield. Like I always feel safer when he's playing, but I do think Oliver Skip is usually the one who's actually helping us progress. That's just the way I, I see it. I agree. It.
3: No, you're absolutely right. Oh. And I think that, that, that Ben Tinker did a great job with, like you said, breaking the lines with a few passes. But defensively, we were crying out for that shield in front of our central defense. And, and that's where Peh really comes in. That's yeah. where Oliver Skip tracking back. How many times have we watched Oliver Skip come flying into the box with a, a, a goal-saving tackle from nowhere? And, and that's we're missing mm-hmm. that. That's not something, as, as much as we love Winks, we're we're not getting that from him.
2: I was just going to say, I don't think there was a good uh, agreement between our two midfielders today. Like, I don't think they fully understood who was doing what. Like they seem to both be trying to do the same thing at times and there really needed to be more of a balance. And we didn't have the balance today.
1: I think again, Dyer and Skip, we, we all agree. We're missing tremendously and we can talk about Dyer, but on this, on the skip piece, I'm right there with you. And I think that's kind of what I was saying about Bentiker and, and Wings earlier is, in, the, in 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 a two-man pivot or you know a two-person pivot I should say what one, one of them needs to just play very simple simple soccer in the midfield and just skip does that so well right win the ball find the open man get the ball forward to the open man as quickly as possible let your partner be the one to take the chances and, and make and take the risk right. Bentaker can do that well. And I think PEH actually does that very well. I think PEH is a little bit more box to box than Bentaker, you know, as far as what they're able to provide. Bentaker is probably a little going better going forward. Right. But we only have, my point is we only have one midfielder right now who really gives us that just simplistic, let my partner go and take risks and, and get expressive midfielders and that skip and we're missing him big time. Um, and we're missing Dyer tremendously, and I'd love to go down that 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 rabbit hole. I won't quite yet. I don't want to change the subject, Todd, on you, but um, but but Skip is is just a gaping miss right now for this team.
0: I I know how Todd feels about about Hoybier's form in the last month. I, he doesn't correct me if I'm wrong, Todd. You don't think he's dipped off at all.
3: I'm not saying that, it, like, the game against Southampton was his poorest game, but the the game against Watford before that, the game against Chelsea, uh, or, excuse me, the uh, the game against Chelsea, he was easily one of our better midfielders. Like, the thing is, is that the guy's going to give you a seven. He's going to give you a seven. He's going to give you a seven across the board. Is he going to be the best player on the pitch? No, but is he going to do the stuff that allows the other players to play their best on the pitch? Absolutely. fucking lutely and we missed it terribly today.
0: Cause there's because there's no doubt in my mind that like like for example, when I saw the lineup came out came out without Hoybier, I was not surprised by it, is what I'm trying to say. I was not I was not even really upset about it. It was more like, okay, he's going to give Hoybier this game off. He plays him all the time. Everybody plays him all the time. As as we mentioned, this is the first game he's been available for in the league that he hasn't played for Spurs. And he's been here, what, nearly two years? So we're talking about a guy who is obviously always present in this midfield. I, I feel like there's a narrative out there that I don't fully disagree with. I'm kind of leaning toward your side, Todd. That he that his play has dipped massively in the last month and a half or so, two months maybe. And I don't think that that's quite true. But I don't think he's been the hoybier that he was when he first got to Spurs either. I think there's a happy middle ground to be found there, and I think that's I think that's maybe where you're coming down. I maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong here. I don't know. Maybe that's just where I'm at.
3: I mean, he was, he, he, listen, and it's a, hey, no free plugs here, Fat Mob, but I'm, I'm just going to give you the the last four. Okay. 6.8 against Southampton, which we all agree with shit. 8.0 against Brighton, 7.2 against Chelsea, 8.0 against Leicester. And we're back into, and 7.5 against Chelsea and 7.3 against Chelsea and 7.8 against Watford. I mean, like, as you're just looking at this, you're going, it's all green, but it's all green. The guy's doing his job.
0: So, so, doing it well. so, where is this narrative? I mean, it, I'm, I'm not wrong because he had a that. bad like game there,
3: against Southampton.
0: There That's is where a narrative, the narrative about, is. D- Dakota. Where's the narrative coming from? There is a narrative out there. Am I wrong?
4: No, yeah, you're right. And it's because PEH doesn't do flashy things, he does all of the dirty work that no one ever appreciates when they're watching a match live. But then you put together a compilation of all of his ball recoveries and shot blocks and people are like, oh my gosh, this guy's amazing. And then it it doesn't help that he usually misses like one or two passes that could maybe lead to something every game or every other game. But passing is not his strong suit. That's not why we bought him. That's not why we play him in the middle of the park. We play him in the middle of the park so he can run run the show and protect our back line who – I don't think anyone will argue is not like super great. (laughs) So we, we put him there as like a shepherd basically to make sure that all of the sheep behind him are safe and sound and that he can just get the ball to someone who can unleash the danger moving forward.
3: He's here. He's there. He's every fucking where. Javier, Javier, All right, I'm done. We lost 2-0 today. What do you want me to do?
0: Uh, sing. That's what I want you to do. That's you've done. <laughs> I appreciate that.
3: Uh, well, to be fair, sorry. Caroline, your internet's no worse than Spurs' back line
1: today. <laughs> well said.
2: So with the Man City game coming up, I think Conte saw this as his opportunity to experiment with the midfield pivot because he didn't want to be doing that experimentation during the man city game. Like in theory, these should have been two games that were very winnable for us. So I don't blame him for, you know, like we didn't like that Hoybier was going out necessarily for this game, but he probably felt like this was the time we've got the two new players that we have to integrate into the team. The good thing is that we do have the midweek coming up where they're in training and they can work on this, not in a game environment. (laughs)
0: I, I think that's really fair. And look, yeah. it's, it's funny. I'm going to be the guy that says don't play two midfielders against man city, pack more guys <laughs> in there, play a four, four, two, do something different. That's just going to be my opinion. Cause I want us to pack our own box and then try to hit them on the counter because I think that's the only chance you're going to have to, to get a result against a team like that. But I hear you try, at least if he's trying something different, that's all I want to see. And that's kind of goes to the point I made earlier about Kante. And if you don't have certain guys, don't try to, to 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 plug the the square pegs into round holes try to do something a little bit different um so i can appreciate that for sure um i think when it comes to Hoybier, we're all like nobody's super down on hoi this is the first game like we said that he's missed that he's been available for um his first league benching if you will at spurs so
1: well, Scott, go ahead yeah no 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 and i just think a lot of this goes into the market and i'm not saying like Back the fucking manager. Look what happens when you don't back the manager. Of course, it's very challenging to get players in in January. Yes. But we're still missing a center back because again, when I say we're missing Dyer to play to play in the middle of a three, you have to be somebody who is just like I'm in fucking charge. No one's else is going to tell me what to do. Like I, w- everything goes through me, right? I, I, we're, we don't have another person to do that. Like yeah, you have to be like. I am the biggest fucking person on this field. Fuck everyone else. Like, Dyer does that very well. And I'm not even joking. It's like, that's the mentality you have to have, right? So, you're that. Um, You're absolutely correct, Scott. I, I just want to jump in on that point real quick
3: uh to, to kind of follow up on it. That's what Maguire a lot of the time brings brings to United. Like he's technically not fantastic, but he gets out there and he throws himself around like a brick shit house. And that's really, in a lot of ways, what Dyer does is he marshals the back. Romero is legitimately a Rolls Royce defender, but a back uh, a, you know a marshal of the back line, he is not.
1: No, exactly, man. 100 percent We don't have another one, so we're missing that. And then to, to my second point on this, on the window player personnel, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's a shame that it didn't work out with a few guys we just loaned out because I, I think, you know, they could have been these pieces. But we have right now we have one defensive midfielder in Skip. We have a very good box to box midfielder in Hoibier. And we've got two deep lying playmakers in, in Winks and, and Bentiker. We have no attacking midfielder and we we don't really have a true central midfielder. And we have one defensive midfielder, um, and I think that's what Conte is trying to figure out right now. How do you fit those pieces into a two-person midfield? Maybe that does beg Andrew's question: Do you use three? That will beg the question: Who's the attacking midfielder in a three-man setup? We don't really have one, right? So there's a lot. There's there's definitely a lot that goes into this conversation, but right now. With a defensive midfielder, two deep-lying playmakers, and a box-to-box midfielder, you, you actually don't really have that great of options as far as a, as a double pivot goes. So I will give you some credit there, but it begs the question, where do you go? And we don't really have that answer either right now. And Kante's just trying to figure that out, right? He's a world-class manager probably number two to pep maybe number one there's all kinds of bullshit subjectivity that goes into that right but he's a very talented manager he's just trying to figure that out in my opinion um and he's missing dyer
0: dakota I i'm think, curious i'm curious as to your answer to that because i think it's gonna be the same as mine
4: yeah well i don't know maybe um i i i think Benson core is more of a box-to-box um than deep lying i, I think we've so I I agree with your numbers. I just would maybe s- switch the names around. Um, and I think I, I what you can do is what I think we saw a little bit with Jose. You I think it, it's very feasible to drop Lucas into the midfield to play that attacking midfielder role. Uh you could put uh Kusevsky in the midfield, let him play that role. Um I don't, I just don't I, think it, that it helps gets, us in the middle it gets though. It helps us going it forward. Gets, right, but but if you've got a true defensive playmaker or sorry, defensive midfielder in there in either or both of Toy or Skip, we've seen the results say that our defense is fairly fine. And then yeah. it just becomes about scoring goals. So well, it, I think
1: oh sorry, go ahead. My bad.
4: I I, I just I I, it does get hairy and I I really think that the reason right now Conte is favoring two midfielders rather than three is a numbers game because if you play three midfielders and one of them gets hurt you're 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 in a tight spot sure uh, because totally. then you only have three <laughs> Good point. so Good I mean point. like we're seeing like like we're seeing right now skips out and it's a little bit hairy so it's kind of a numbers game, and it—I think it's been that way from the jump, because he knew early on he couldn't trust Tongi. Knew early on he couldn't trust Gio, Giovanni Losasso. Knew within a month or so that Delhi wasn't going to be around. So he's kind of been operating out of this for for a while, and it's kind of catching up now because those guys are getting some fatigued legs, and I think Whoa. the rest for Poirier today is huge because he needs that.
3: For sure, but I also think it's it's the fact that Dyer and Skip are out at the same time that absolutely compounds the issue.
4: Totally. Because,
3: yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's really like the spine that, that you're looking for, and look at that, we're super leaky in, in that period. So, right. um, I mean, and we, it, we, it was, we really look sixes and sevens at the back today. It was tough.
4: It's a similar situation to where Dyer and Cootie were hurt at the same time. If one of them is hurt, you know, the center backs are fairly fine. But when both are hurt, you're kind of scrambling.
3: Yeah, well, I, And it's I, because Davidson Sanchez has to play the ball, Scott
0: look D- dakota actually did not name the guy i think that that can play that that attacking role he, he you you said lucas i don't think lucas can play centrally i think he has to play uh, out i think bergvine is an option yeah. i think i think decky is an option um and and frankly i think harry kane's an option guys like Dude, why couldn't on. you why couldn't you throw throw a a a sun bergvine pairing up top and 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 drop Kane a little bit deeper as well, because as we all know, Kane is this team's best number nine and its best number ten. Um, I'm just saying, creativity is a thing that 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 can be, you know, manufactured at times up top. Yeah, hold- uh, You know, I re- want okay.
3: Kulisevsky up there with some. I
0: do. I do too. I I want any of those things. I want something. Well, because he can play I mean. the
3: layoff. He's tall enough to do, to do the layoff to Kane at the top of the box. Scott knows what I'm talking about,
1: boys if if you play Kulisevsky, if you play Bergvine, lucas you're not playing a 433 like you're going to play a 4231 like none of Why? them are going to because that's they're they're attacking players like they're going to naturally that's- just end up in a it, like a fourth if we're talking about a three man midfield that's going to help us break the press and not get ran over like that's a that's a three man triangle midfield like i don't think I don't think either of them are good enough true midfielders to sit in a three man midfield. If it, we're talking about a four, two, three, one, sure, throw any of them in there.
4: It, yeah, it's a three three, four, one, two is exact is what we're talking about here. Yes. Or or is, I,
1: so, but yes, they're all like they're all gonna play like as a cam, not as a as a third midfielder. Is that is that what we're saying here? Yes, that's what we're saying. Right.
4: But the M and Cam is midfielder.
1: Sure, so. <laughs> but no, no, no. But okay, sure, of course it is. But what I'm telling you is like that's not going to help us not get ran over and not be able to break the press and progress the ball. That's what I'm saying. Right? But that's if the, is uh, the issue I just I agree. I think I,
0: no, I disagree with you, Scott. I think it will help yeah, but, with that because I think you, you're going to have the ability to have someone. You're going to have the ability to have two guys who are focused on defensive work and one guy who is focused on getting the ball from them and getting it to your attackers.
3: And right now that's what Harry Kane is doing. Anyway, it's just then he's expected to run on to the end of the secondary Bingo. pass that's supposed to come into the box. Bingo. And right. like if you've got two people in front of him, then they're supposed to. I mean, numbers. You play it to the one guy who plays it to the other guy who's also happening to be up there.
1: Numbers no, right never is no lie, my guy. friend. Numbers so you're never lie. You guys it, have two it, sitters it, and like Lucas playing hold up. Well, it I don't, don't want Lucas, like but but it, someone else. It, yeah.
0: With, yeah. It essentially
4: lets you defend with five. It is essentially that you defend with five and attack with five. Yeah, And that's always going to be to your advantage, numbers-wise.
0: And by the way, I'm going to reiterate, and, and Scott, this is a point you're going to make. This is a situation where you don't have Skip and Dyer available. I think that when you have both Skip and Dyer available, I think we've already seen that the system he's he's running, the 3-4-3, three, three, can work against certain teams. It can't work against every team, but against your Wolves and your Southamptons and your Brightons, I think it can work. But when you don't have both of those guys, I think you need to try something a little differently. And this goes back to the whole point of square pegs and round holes and all of that. I think you need to to try to mix it up a little bit when you don't have your perfect 11 that has been working for the 343. When you have those guys available, I'm fine with a 343. We've seen it work. And granted, it's not going to work against everyone but you can run it against certain teams and have it be fine. But when you don't have those players available, show me something a little different. Show me a little bit of creativity. And it doesn't have to be an abandoning of a three center back system. I, I don't mind if you try it like he did today, by the way, after 20 some odd minutes when he yanked Ryan Sessian off the pitch and he switched to, to, to a four back. But just give me something a little creative and a little different if something's not working rather than continuing to ram your head into a wall over and over again and have it not work.
3: Well, yeah. I, and, I think that – I'm sorry, Dakota. I think that you can yeah. really point to the lack of a creative presence in order – it, it the reason why two goal lead uh, and the fact that Wolves <laughs> doesn't doesn't concede many goals uh, to, to really figure out why it looked like we were beating our head against the same wall. What I will yes. say is under Conte, we've been in this position before as Spurs fans. Hello, we had Mourinho as a manager. Mm-hmm. So what I will say is that with Conte, I at least felt like, and we did, have some legitimate chances to try to yeah. break that down. We didn't convert them, as you mentioned at the top. Andrew, our finishing was woeful. But we had some chances. And there was, and, and I want to shout him out for this because I feel like he's the king of these. The, he, there was a, uh, a Harry Winks outside of the box almost, oh. almost, He's, oh. he's, he's got a career full of them, rattling the 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 crossbar against Chelsea. like just, just a bunch of times where Harry Winks has almost been the hero for Tottenham. And today was another one of those to kind of get us sparked in the right direction. Dakota, you can come on to this, but man, I I think that, that at least under Conte, with the personnel switches that we've made, because I feel like Benteker and Kulisewski were arguably two of the brightest players on the pitch for us today. Um, regardless of what you want to say about their performance, they look, at least look like they wanted it. And I couldn't say that about the other players on the pitch. Um, but I will say at least under Conte, it feels like there were some
4: ideas. It may have felt <laughs> yeah. like, it
3: may look like we were beating our head against the wall, but at least we had an idea.
4: Yeah. You gotta I, mean, an idea. I think there, there's a clear like pattern or clear patterns that this team has been playing with the last few matches. And ironically, I think that is part of why Davies tried to play the ball to the middle of the park rather than just booting it down the line is because yep. when he's got the ball in that position, the pattern is to go to the middle of the park. It just it it was a horrible pass straight to a Wolves player that started a break. But I I think too Andrew with there's a little bit maybe a, a grace to be extended to Conte today because everyone of us, and I think Conte probably is included in this thought, okay, a Winks Benton Kerr pivot is probably pretty balanced. Scott may be the, the outlier of this, <laughs> but you know, we talked about last week, it seems like you can plug and play any of these guys and it's going to work. Yep. And it just did not today. So, and then he but he recognized that made the switch so i i really i also, I feel so bad for Ryan Session on having to be the fall guy for that um i props to the fans for clapping him off the pitch though that's hopefully saved a little bit of his of his confidence but i think as, as these players get bedded in and as, as things move forward i think we're going to see those things get figured out and these mistakes with selection that have happened this week and arguably last week against southampton as well i think they're going to get ironed out but they are they are mistakes and i think conte does need to be you know criticized a little bit on on that front of these guys aren't exactly what we thought they were and we kind of need you to see that in training before we get (laughs) into the match and are down two goals and then like oh okay
0: (laughs) We need to well,
3: I the, am I the only one with winks and a pivot PTSD?
0: No, you're not. Okay, but but, but I think <laughs> but I think I think that speaks to the point. And and you mentioned you know the the idea of um, of of Conte getting it right in the second half. To me, that was and the, and the plan kind of going forward. To me, that's and again, I'm going to reiterate: Antonio Conte has forgotten more football than I will ever know in my entire life. But that's reactionary to me and i would rather it be proactive i would rather have a little bit more foresight into well i don't have skip and dire and again i'm not saying that skip and dire are you know gonna win the ballon d'Or. like they're they're not those types of players but they make this thing work and we've seen them make this thing work So so what do
3: you do different from the outset today knowing what you have available, knowing the fatigue you have on your team, knowing Reggie fucking missed a sitter that would have won us the game against Southampton, knowing all of these things, knowing what that d- Sessegnon's fit and you want to get him game time. What do you do different today?
0: What I do differently today is, and if I'm Antonio Conte and I want to play three center backs, I do exactly what I did, except I, instead of playing the 3-4-3, I go to the 3-5-2 and I pull Lucas off the pitch and I start Kulusevski in the middle, kind of like he did you know, after he pulled on off, um, and I go with more of a counter attack. More and God, trust me, it sends sh- shivers down my spine to say this. But I play more Jose ball. I pack Dang. it in and I try to counter because after against what the I Wolves? saw, because listen, yes, and at home, I know, I know at it home? sounds crazy. Listen, I know it sounds crazy, but after what I saw on on Wednesday against Southampton, that's what I do because I I I tried the same Dang. thing against Southampton. With a, with a good midfielder and James Ward-Prowse, and I got my ass kicked. So I'm yeah. going to try something a little bit differently. And look, the, may, will the fans boo me and, 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 and be really pissed that I'm trying to win a game? Yes. One, hold on. Will they be mad that I'm trying to win a game 1-0? <laughs> one- yes, but guess what? They booed me on, at halftime on Wednesday against Southampton when I was getting my ass kicked. So I'm going to try something a little differently here against, yes, Wolves at home, and I'm going to try and go out and get a result.
3: That's Scott, what I would have done differently. I appreciate that. Scott, do you know what I heard right there?
0: You shouldn't
3: have. You shouldn't have fired Jose six days before a Cup final. That's what
1: I heard. That's what <laughs> yes. I heard Andrew say. <laughs> uh, got him. Yes. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Dakota, you go ahead, and then I'll get in here. I just yeah.
0: for 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 our listeners, I just gave Todd a very silent reaction, a one fingered reaction to that call. You're gonna have to check
1: out
3: check out the TikTok for that one, Dakota. There's one yeah, less league yeah, cup yeah, in Florida the the than there should be right now, but
1: uh, you know. Um, we'll, we'll no, but am I, am I?
0: But am I crazy for saying that?
1: Yes, I don't
4: think you're crazy okay. for saying that, but I just don't. No, I, I don't think you. that's con- I don't think that's the way Antonio Conte plays and football.
0: I, I agree <laughs> with you. And look, I know that it's very Monday morning quarterback to, to to say something like that because of because of the result that happened. But look, Antonio Conte kind of did exactly what I'm saying. He did it in a different formation, but he was reactionary after they fell down two 0 He ripped Ryan Sessegnon off the pitch and Dakota. I'll echo your sentiments. Uh, sucks for him but granted he didn't play well he wasn't a part of it um and and it's unfortunate for a guy like that who's not getting regular game time Reggian has been dominating the left wing back spot and for him to come in and start and then get yanked after you know less like than a half of minutes. football yeah it was like 26 minutes or something like that that sucks for him but yeah. the, the, the the reactionary thing that Kante did tells me everything I need to know is that he not not only did he have to react because of the way the game was going but if something different could have been done he probably would have done it before 26 minutes
1: all right so like sure we can say we can play the three five two just do that lucas lucas has the cam whatever like conte didn't do that and there's a reason for that like i'm not going to pretend to know what that is right Conte, (laughs) the biggest brand in in the most growing brand in the world right now pays the dude $20 million to coach the team. Like, I'm not going to pretend to know why, what the reason is, but there's a reason for it. I assure you of that. Right. So. I I, I, all that happened today, I can sum it up for you very simply. Conte said, I'm missing my two important pieces. Who's going to step up and do this for the team? He put people in place. They didn't do it. And 25 minutes in, he's like, "Well, we're down two 0 We're gonna have all of the ball. Let's go with formation that is pretty effective to use when you're gonna have all of the ball." That's all that happened today. He, and
4: it, that these players are comfortable with.
1: Exactly. He did that's it a huge
4: part of it too.
1: No, like it's it's so easy to say, "Well, dude, you should have just played the four two three one or whatever." Like, yo, sure, but like he he didn't for a reason. He didn't play a three five two for a reason. Like. It did the people he asked to put step up into the positions that were missing didn't do it. We went down two nil, and again, he just said, Okay, we'll go play a formation that's gonna be effective when you have the ball. I just repeated myself, but it's yeah, no, no, but I want to echo that
3: man because in the past, other managers have gotten absolutely fucking roasted when we've gone down and haven't made a change that everybody else can clearly see needed to happen. And so I want to shout for to, you may say it's being reactionary. And what I would say is that's taking charge and recognizing you made a mistake and doing the best you can to mitigate any further fuck ups and watching your midfield getting overrun by wolves at home. Christ.
0: I, I, I think that that Scott, to your point, he he put in guys he thought could do it. They were the same guys who didn't do it on Wednesday against Southampton. Like that's that's why I
1: have done it in multiple games prior. So it's exactly. like I'm not going to just I'm not going to strip a back line because of because of a manager who outmanaged me, to be completely honest. In one game, it is not a better manager than me, but who beat me and I'm not going to strip my back line down because of that. Today and was you see- oh, go ahead.
3: And you say that, Andrew, but you're the one who gave me the extra fucking spicy response when I call this individual heirs FC again. And you're saying it's the same players that made the same mistakes on Wednesday again. Well, because it's not, the point that, but it's not one, one, one guy. guy. No, but it's not one guy, but it's not one game. Like you look back to the past 24 months, it's the same fucking guys all the fucking time.
0: Well, that's, I think that's extremely, not only extremely fair, but it's also, like I said, something that we've been saying for how long. And eventually, you've got to get to a point where you are replacing those players, and this goes to a much larger conversation about depth and squad building, and you know shit that we don't really have a ton of time to get into today. But at the point yeah, of, of that is, no, we're not, and we're not. Trust me, we're not going <laughs> to do that. But the point of that is that when you when you are missing two of your most key players, like we've talked about with Dyer and Skip, and you continue to rely on players to do the same exact things that those guys can do eventually you're going to get burned and it can work for a game or two or three, but when it starts to look like it's turning sour, that's mean, maybe you got to make some adjustments ahead of time rather than being reactionary. And again, I will reiterate, this is all very Monday morning quarterback. And I just am saying that I would like to see something different than the same three, four, three run out there and hope for the best, especially when this team looks like it's getting a little overrun.
3: You and my so wife you're, have similar you're,
0: hindsight. We have what?
4: <laughs> you and my wife
3: have similar hindsight.
0: Well, that's fair. Similar <laughs> hindsight.
3: <laughs> She's
4: very uh, smart. I, so the the, the <laughs> your test then, Andrew, is I don't think man not the Manchester City game, but I forget who we play after that. But it's the next game. That that is where it's, you're it's Burnley. At. Okay, Burnley. Did did we learn anything from this? That and it yes. honestly However, if it's Skip and Benton core, trot him out there in a two because that, that seems like super, super spicy can get stuff done. Um, So, but I don't think that, I don't think we're going to see Conte trot out the same midfield that keeps getting run over, over and over again. Uh, I think part of that is maybe why uh, Hoybear didn't play today because one of them had to play. Between him and him and Winks and Hoybeer has played so much football over the last year. Guy deserves a break. So, and let I, I kind of goes back to that I think Conte is going to iron out all of these and in he's still figuring out what the squad looks like, especially with the additions. So, I have I have hope. I have a lot of optimism maybe that's just my my natural disposition but uh i don't think that anything is lost none of our goals are still unreachable despite these last two games
0: i i i think that that's an extremely good point dakota and i think that um you know as we always say the the bird app will be a cesspool for the next few days really for the next week with spurs fans you're not gonna that, find uh, me there. Yeah. You're not going to find me there either. You're going to see people uh, wanting, you know, absolute to absolutely burn everything to the ground. And that's not where I'm at. Your, your, your statement that all the goals are still in front is hundred percent correct. And it's, you know, everything's out there. Everything's out there for Spurs right now. And like you said, they have, they get the top and the bottom in the next two games, they get city. Uh, next Saturday. And then uh, after that, they get Burnley who, who currently sit, sit uh, in the cellar. So th- <laughs> show me something against these two teams.
3: Okay. Well, we actually need to talk about, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of threes. Everything comes in threes, man. You got to look at three game, three game trends. And what I'm looking in our three game trend in the league is all else. And what what I'm looking at coming up is I'm looking at three away matches, Man City, Burnley and Leeds, and then we got to come home for Everton and then Old Trafford for United and at home against West Ham. Like, like th- as you're looking at the next three matches from here, just fuck it. These last three matches, this has been a tough go. Hopefully, hopefully we get Dyer or Skip or both back for these next three matches that are all on the road. And we're an entirely different side on the road. And so I don't know what you can hope to expect out of this, Andrew and yes top and bottom but burnley just got an influx of new players they're getting suited in we don't know what to expect and burnley turfmore fucking february are you serious
0: are you are you saying you don't you don't you like i think what i was trying to echo from dakota is that i, I am not super discouraged by this are you saying that this is these three losses on the trot now in the league are like a real kneecap to us.
3: What I'm saying is three weeks ago, we were talking about all the games we had in hand. And if we this, and if we that in three L's later, we're sitting in eight looking up at West Ham and wolves and that scummy fucking bunch down the road. And we're not having those games in hand conversation anymore because we literally pissed those away. So now we got to go see the champions who we said we were second best on the pitch today, all over the pitch today. Well, they've literally got two teams that would have played better than us, Mm -hmm. and one of them is going to sit on the pitch for them the entire time that we're playing. And we have to then go to turf in fucking February, which my thoughts on turf more have been well-documented on this podcast. And nobody wants to play football there in, in when it's shitty outside. And especially not Tottenham Hotspur, as we saw over the last few matches, when it's been pissing rain outside, we're an entirely different side where we can't be pretty and fast. And we're not built for this right now. And it's showing. Yeah, and yeah. then you got to go to Leeds. And, and for whatever reason, we always play a just suspect against a bunch like Leeds, so I I don't know man I'm not feeling super confident and when you look behind and you look ahead I don't necessarily feel in a very good spot about where Spurs are at the moment
1: I, I I think I will just add to that um there's every reason to think all our goals are still very attainable and can be can be accomplished for sure um I'll preface what I'm about to say with by saying like The sun is shining and the vibes are rolling and life's good. But I will also say on the Tottenham side, I suspect that things might get a little dicey over the next four weeks. Um, And I also don't think any of us should be super surprised when that happens because, yes, Conte had a great first 10 matches. He is a fantastic manager. I'm not going to say there was a manager bounce, but if there ever was one, it's going to be exacerbated by a guy like Conte, right? When you got somebody like Harry Kane up top and blah, 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 Hugo Lloris at the back. Um, And things could be fine in four weeks, but I also will just say that things might get pretty dicey for the club. And, you know, so be it if it does.
0: Caroline had some Wi-Fi issues, but she's back with us. Are you doom and gloom or are you kind of more where Dakota and I are on this and thinking – we'll we'll write this ship we'll we'll be okay not everything is uh ending
2: i do tend towards optimism and i've, I've been sitting here looking at the table while y'all were debating and i don't know it's <laughs> <laughs> it's daunting well, i do think we could we could still talk about those games in hand with some optimism because we haven't played them yet they haven't been lost you know the last few games have not gone well but those were you know our regularly scheduled games so it's a totally different thing but I do think we we can overtake West Ham and Man U if we get things together because we do still have quite a few games in hand on them the problem is now that we're on the same number of games as Arsenal and they have the three points over us Th- that being said we do play them so
4: you don't have, to bring, I, well, you
2: don't have to bring that up well <laughs> sorry um, we, but we play them at home, so you know I'm always gonna gonna choose to be optimistic about that fixture um, that we're gonna beat them at home. So I don't know. We if we can get our injury situation back to a better place where we were a couple of weeks ago before those random training injuries happened, um, you know I think things could be better, and I I think our team can play much better than we've seen them play the last couple of days. And you you just have to assume that they're going to get back to a better place.
0: Uh, Spurs women are back in a better place. Let's let's talk briefly about Spurs women, Caroline. Uh, they got a victory today over Birmingham City, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, where where are we at since we've we've last spoken about Spurs women on the pod? I know we had a, a cup defeat to City, but uh, you know things have been looking up since then, right?
2: Yeah, I, I think the last time I shared an update, we had already gone out of the. Um, FA Cup to Leicester, and then we also lost in the semifinal to Man City, so we're out of both cups. You know, it's a bummer, but we did get to a semifinal for the first time ever for the club, so that's awesome, and now we're just focusing on the league, and we're trying to get to that third Champions League qualification spot, which, after today's game, we are in, so it's ours to lose. Um, But yeah, the last two games actually in the league went really great. We had two clean sheets. Uh, The thing that was really encouraging to me with the Brighton game that we played last weekend is that we scored a variety of goals. Um, You know, we scored basically off of a set piece, one of them it resulted from a free kick. Uh, We scored, you know, a couple that were kind of on the break, you know, on the counter. Um, And then we're still also finding ourselves able to complete those scrappy goals when it's a, you know, scramble in the box. And showing that tenacity. Usually it's Rachel Williams uh, that comes in clutch, but (laughs) I think today it ended up being uh, Rhea Percival who got one of those goals. So that was really great to see. Um, In terms of players that I really want to highlight over this last stretch, I think Rhea is definitely one of them. You know, she, I feel like, has been really embodying Rheanne Skinner's mentality for the team, which is that you always have to be the hardest working players on the pitch. Like she does not stop. She's been doing it all. And then Ashley Neville also, I think, I think she's easily been our MVP of the season. Like when she's not playing, you feel the difference. And especially in the Brighton game, we saw the immediate impact that she made as a sub, you know, scoring almost right after she came on and then was involved um, with an assist as well. So she's, she's just been playing incredible and, and, She makes a huge impact in the team. And I also like that Rianne has been playing her higher up the pitch the last couple of games. You know, I think that's really uh, been playing to her strengths and her skill set. And the only reason we've been able to do that is because as Mita Ale has been filling in at that, you know, uh, right wing back sort of position that Ashley usually plays. And she's done a fantastic job. She's a young player, but she she plays with a lot of fight. And I've really been enjoying seeing her there.
0: Really want to see Naz get on the scoreline, though. I mean, that, yes. is, that, is, that is one thing that <laughs> she, uh, has been missing.
2: She's had a lot of opportunities in these last few games. And actually, in the Man City semifinal, she had our, our only shot, at, you know, chance of the game, basically. and Clear chance. If, if she had made that, we could have been one nil up. And, you know, who knows what happens from there. But, yeah, like she's getting into to all the right positions. I think she, she links up really well with her teammates. It's just a matter of finishing with her. So hopefully she gets there.
0: Yeah. A little bit of time off now for the women. They return to action uh, March 6th. So almost a, almost a month, three, about three weeks off uh, back in action against Reading on the 6th. But as you mentioned, they're up to third in the table, uh, two points clear of United. And it is the top three that make the make Champions League qualification, right?
2: Yeah. So I believe that we would have to do like a playoff play in round, I should say. Um, but yeah, but,
0: even, so, but even so, but even so, getting yeah. getting yeah. to that spot would be huge.
2: I don't know how that might change possibly um, because it's based on, you know, the UEFA coefficients for the different leagues and you have to feel like sooner or later, you know, the WSL is going to get another spot, but we'll see.
0: Scott, did you, you had one more thing you wanted to chime in on?
2: Yeah, I did. Um, Maybe, maybe
1: just like my closing thoughts, if there were such a thing, but please hit us, um, hit us with your
0: closing thoughts, Jerry Springer.
1: Yeah. Right. I, uh, I, God, I, uh, I obviously as a fan who's been to the stadium one time and lived in Seattle, I certainly don't, don't want to tell anyone paying money to go to the stadium and watch what to do. But I just, I think all the booing is distasteful, right? Like it's two losses on the trot at home. I get it. Right. That's actually really, really not good for a club in our position. Right. That's not a good look at all. And that's why maybe I'm more concerned than others on this, on this call right now. Right. With our form. But, the booing is is not it's not a good look. Um, it's very childish, in my opinion. And this club has been in far worse positions, and wasn't booing its team or fans weren't booing the team. Right? I, I've been a part of those far worse times. Right? Um, and there's been much much worse times than anything I've been a part of. Right? And the, and so I just think we we're we're kind of turning into this honestly just like plastic ish fan base at, at the stadium at times. Right. And I hate using that word, but uh, you know, again, I'm in Seattle. I've been there once half that stadium, you know, well more than half that stadium doesn't know what this podcast is. Right. So whatever, but I do think it's worth putting out into the universe and it's just not a good look. And I would ask the fans to, to just not do that type of thing. Right. Absolutely.
0: I, I, I think that's really well said. I mean, you know, I, <laughs> The the, I think the plastic ish comment is is gonna open a lot of eyes, but I think it's not far off at all. I think it's something that is a much larger scale and bigger conversation that 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 should be had about where this club has been or was you know 15, 20 years ago and where it is now and where it's going. I think a lot of fans and we see this a lot on the bird app and I mentioned this earlier. That place Yeah, that place is gonna be a cesspool for the next seven days. We all know or six days until the next match. We all know that. Um just well, stay away and, and well how I much how much said, of
3: that tra- how much of that behavior translates to the stadium I mean to Scott's point like how many of those people are actually on the bird app at the same point in time trying to pour gasoline on this fire
1: I I, I, I would know. say that there is a and I've I've voiced this before there is a growing growing mass of YouTube brands that are really really drumming up a lot of this bullshit. in my opinion um but I suspect this also I would say the older generations or you know the the headier Tottenham fans, they are upset with Enoch when they're booing, right? And the younger generation is upset with losing a game. And that's why they're booing, right? The 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 younger generation is the ones who are just in a really silly manner booing a bad result. Where I, I do understand the older generation is often booing at, at the ownership, right? Which I support the ownership. I don't mean to to open up that can of worms. So I think there is layers layers to the way fans are acting but for sure there there is exacerbation amongst the social medias that that is spilling into the into the stadium in my opinion it's hard to argue that
2: and i think it's a bummer that these were our last couple of home games for a while and this is like the mood that the team's going to be carrying into the let's call it the road trip you know kind of a bummer that i think the pan- the fans could just show a little more patience like we we have to remember that we do still have a fairly new manager we have some new transfers that just came in you know, th- things are going to get better. I have faith in that.
0: Boy, if we don't have faith in that, then what else do we have? Um, <laughs> that's, that's what we need. And, and again, just avoid the, the cesspool that is, you know, people bitching and moaning constantly because um, there are more important things in the world at times that we need to remember that um before we get out of here anybody got any fun or bold predictions about the the superb owl that is to be played later today anybody have any rooting interest or any of that i know uh i think todd and scott and i talked about it a little bit midweek but um is there any any anybody (coughs) want to make any bold predictions about the 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 big game as we have to call it
3: yeah i i'm when i'm looking at a situation like this and my teams aren't in it um i just i root for good storylines and I think that the Joe, Joe Scheiste storyline is Joe very Shiesty. cool. That guy's, that guy's very easy to root for. And, and I like the way he does business. Uh, but I also really think that Matt Stafford is one of those consummate pros, right? And I like the idea of him and childhood buddy Clayton Kershaw both winning rings in LA. I think that that's a cool storyline as well. So I hope for a good game. I hope for a cool storyline. And I think no matter who wins, we're going to get that.
4: Burrow's almost too easy to root for, right, Andrew?
0: Yeah, as a as a fan of a team that's a division rival of his, um, it's a little awkward for me because I am uh, really hoping the Bengals do win today. I'm 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 not only uh, mentally invested in it, but I'm financially invested in it, and uh, I would like to see it happen. It would just be a cool thing. But yeah, it's a little awkward for me uh, liking that guy so much because. Uh, I shouldn't. I really, really yeah. shouldn't. Uh, I think it's. But, uh, I think it's also fun for a lot of our UK fans to know that, like, a lot of them are looking forward to to the Super Bowl as well. I was chatting mm-hmm. with. Our good friend Holly Agenbar a little earlier on her, she was doing a live stream during the game and I was, we were going back and forth a little bit um, about the Super Super Bowl and, uh, you know, I think it's fun, the, the 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 kind of the global reach that it has uh, even, not even just for American fans, but for folks around the world and, and and folks over there are gonna be waking up at, you know, the middle of the night to watch the game, uh, because of the time difference so it should be should be interesting.
4: 2026. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah, that's it's a whole other thing to that, we,
0: that we didn't even bring up, that that there's uh, <laughs> rumors out there that that Spurs could be bidding to host the Super Bowl uh, in a handful of years. That's a a whole other can of worms that, uh, that we could get into down the road. But uh, we will get back to you guys next week following Manchester City and uh, a lot more to talk about coming out of that one. Uh, for Caroline, she is at CG Stefco, Todd is at TC underscore Cushot. Scott is at DSM Spurs. Dakota is at Dakota J Booth. I am at A Follow us at Tottenham Depot on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Rate and review. Leave us the five star review because we uh, deserve it, and because you you've stuck with us this long. Uh, why wouldn't you uh, share the love and spread the love? <laughs> Give us those uh, those good ratings and those good vibes. Leave uh, the comments on the socials and whatnot. Until next week when we chat at you about Manchester City Spurs. This has been the Tottenham Depot podcast. As always, come on you Spurs. Thank you
3: so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on you Spurs.